Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Welcome back to another edition of the Draftboard Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. And the first night of the draft is officially in the books. And there was a lot of excitement, maybe not early on, but as the draft progressed, mid to late portions of the of the first round, that's really where things and the fireworks really essentially started. But I'm going to do a segment that's called Thumbs Up or Thumbs Down, where I go I go over my favorite picks and some that I didn't necessarily agree with. So with Thumbs Up, we're going to start at the top with picks that I like, and that's Arizona with Kyler Murray at the top. And I know they gave a lot of attention to Josh Rosen during the televised portion of the draft, but I love what they have done selecting Kyler Murray. And they didn't necessarily need a quarterback, but Cliff Kingsbury, he wants his guy in the building, and that's exactly what he did by selecting Kyler Murray. And they have him surrounded with a lot of weapons. I like what he's surrounded with on the perimeter-wise there with Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and David Johnson behind him. But they still have to address the offensive line. That should be the focus of this draft going forward, surrounding Kyler Murray with as many weapons to succeed as possible, while also building a wall in front of him in order to protect him. And they've taken strides this offseason by providing or placing a young quarterback in a certain situation in order for him to have some success there. But they still are lacking in some spots. I think they could serve to upgrade at guard and maybe bring in some depth at tackle. So we'll see what they do going forward. Staying in the NFC West, I gave a double thumbs up to Nick Bosa and the San Francisco 49ers taking him with the second overall selection. They pair him with D Ford and they already have a formidable interior with DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and we'll see what happens with Solomon Thomas. There are some reports out there that he is essentially on the trade block now just because they have a log jam at that three technique spot and along the interior. So we'll see what happens with him going forward. But with Nick Bosa and D Ford, I think you have some really good bookends for the future. Staying in the consecutive order, and that's with Quentin Williams, the pick directly after Bosa to the New York Jets at the third overall selection. A pick that I thought was really easy, but there was a lot of debate here. And some people were saying that maybe they could go edge rusher and take Josh Allen or taking an Ed Oliver of sorts. That seemed to be the common consensus in the days leading up to the draft, but they elect to go Quentin Williams here. And I think it's a fantastic selection because they pair they pair him in the middle with Leonard Williams and also they provide a rock-solid interior. Now you have Jamal Adams on the back end. I think you're set in the in the second level of the defense, now bringing over C.J. Mosley. And you continue to add pieces up front for Greg Williams attacking Hellfire defense. And Quentin Williams brings that penetration type of ability as a run-stuffing type of defensive tackle, but also a true penetrating type of interior rusher as well that creates havoc on every single down no matter the down and distance so i like quentin williams fit here with the new york jets at the third overall selection i also gave a thumbs up to the tampa bay buccaneers with the fifth overall selection with devin white and i love his presence in the middle of this defense now that quan alexander has gone on to the san francisco 49ers in the bay area they have a huge void in the middle of that defense Devin White brings an immediate tone-setting type of presence that they need. They lack leadership 
on the second level of their defense, and Devin White is sure to bring that right away. And you saw that in his interview directly after being selected. He's going to give it his all every single time he's out there. And in that division in the NFC South, they are going to need a centerpiece of the future, specifically playing against Drew Brees, Cam Newton, and Matt Ryan twice a year. So they need that rangy linebacker in the middle of the defense. I wish I could give a triple thumbs up to this selection, and that's Ed Oliver from the Buffalo Bills. I absolutely love this pick, and it's by far my favorite of the first round, and I say that because they now have speed on every single level of their defense. On the back end, I think they have one of the more underrated secondaries in the league with Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, and Micah Hyde, and a host of others as well. On the second level, they addressed that last year, bringing in Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano is going to be a really good player as well. And I like what they have done now, adding Ed Oliver along the interior. You now bring him in with Harrison Phillips and Starla Tuolele and also Jerry Hughes coming off of the edge. So they have that young and upcoming type of defensive line and that blue collar type of mentality and that gritty interior that Sean McDermott wants to bring over from the Carolina Panthers. So with that being said, you have speed at all levels of the defense. And I think the interest that they showed in Ed Oliver prior to the draft. I think this was the draft's worst kept secret in their interest at Ed in their interest in Ed Oliver with the ninth overall selection. They bought him on the last day possible on the pre-draft visits, and I think that said a lot about their interest in him. And if he was there, I think they were gonna run to the podium with the ninth overall selection, and that came to fruition, selecting Ed Oliver with the ninth overall selection. The fireworks really started at the tenth overall selection. As the Denver Broncos traded out of this spot and the Pittsburgh Steelers traded up in order to select Devin Bush. Another pick that I gave a double thumbs up to because this is a huge need on the Steelers defense. And you're in a division with Lamar Jackson and that heavy run oriented type of offense of the Baltimore Ravens. You have an up and coming offense and team in general in the Cleveland Browns. And a team that is trying to be on the upswing in the Cincinnati Bengals. But they kind of are lacking behind everybody else right now. But... Just staying on subject with Devin Bush and his fit in the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, they now have that replacement for Ryan Shazier, and they have been lacking that type of leadership and presence in the middle of their defense ever since he suffered his catastrophic injury. So Devin Bush brings that rangy sideline-to-sideline type of presence that they need going against Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and those type of offenses in the AFC North. They're going to need that type of linebacker who can be their heart and soul in the heartbeat of that defense. Another pick that I was a big fan of was Garrett Bradbury to the Minnesota Vikings at the 18th overall selection. Now with Gary Kubiak in the fold and Kevin Stefanski entrenched as the team's offensive coordinator, they had a hole at center. And I don't think they wanted to keep Pat Elfline there just because he struggled there after having success at guard in his time at Ohio State in 2015 and 2016. So they essentially filled two holes with one selection. You insert Bradbury right away at that center position while you also slide Elfline over to that left guard spot. So now you have your top five starters already in place in Reef, Elfline, Bradbury, Klein, and now Brian O'Neill manning that right tackle spot. So they are they are now set with their top five. Another pick that could essentially end up being the steal of the first round down the road, and that's the Eagles selecting Andre Dillard with the 22nd overall selection. And he kind of fell into their laps, and I know they traded up for him, and they traded up ahead of the Houston Texans, 
and a spot that everyone knew that they essentially were going to take a tackle. So they ended up trading ahead of Houston in order to get an Andre Dillard that seemed to be slipping down the board. And everyone knew that if he was going to be there at 23 for the Houston Texans, they were going to run to the podium and turn in the card with his name on it. So the Eagles skip ahead of him and they get their heir apparent to Jason Peters. And I think in 2020, he is going to be the blindside protector for Carson Wentz going forward. The last pick that I gave a thumbs up to was Hollywood Brown going to the Baltimore Ravens with the 25th overall selection. And this is another fit that I really like. And there's going to be some mixed opinions about this just because everyone is unsure of just how consistent of a deep thrower Lamar Jackson can be. But he brings an added dynamic and explosiveness factor to the offense that they did not have a year ago. And they are heavy run oriented offense. So teams like to stack and clutter the box just because they don't want to allow the Ravens offense just to run it down their throat. But you can't do that when Hollywood Brown is on the field just because of the vertical stretch and roof stretch ability that he brings to the table. He can hit it over the top in the blink of an eye and he can take the ball the distance in a matter of seconds. As long as Lamar Jackson is able to develop some chemistry with Hollywood Brown, I think this could be a really good fit for the Baltimore Ravens and him bringing that explosive dynamic factor to their offense. Before we move on to the thumbs down segment, where I talk about some picks where I didn't necessarily agree with, here's a word from our sponsors. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause that. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in just minutes. Just go to ethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Again, that's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. I want to now transition into my thumbs down segment and some picks that I necessarily didn't agree with or I thought some of them were just simple reaches. And that starts at the top with Cleveland Farrell at the fourth overall selection with the Oakland Raiders. And nobody in a million years would have predicted Cleveland Farrell to be off the board ahead of Josh Allen. But something that a lot of people forget about is that Cleveland Farrell wasn't able to participate in the combine or in Clemson's pro day just because he was nursing a toe injury. So with that being said, this has Mike Mayock written all over it because he was essentially a program changer at Clemson. He was there for three years. We well, played there for three years, I should say. He did go through a red shirt year, but he's a guy that did suffer a hard upbringing in that he dealt with a death in the family with his father. He has a military background, so he has some structure. And he was a leader on that Clemson defense. And those are just some values that Mike Mayock does put a lot of stock in. So this pick really has Mike Mayock written all over it. But I thought it was a bit early. They probably could have traded back into the 9th, 10th, or even the 11th slot in order to secure Cleveland Farrell while getting an extra pick. So I think at four, it was a bit of a reach. And I don't think they had to take him there 
when there just simply were better players left on the board. There was Ed Oliver still left on the board, Josh Allen, who I thought was a better edge rusher, but they essentially went with the safe option in Cleveland Farrell, and I think he has a very high floor, even though his ceiling might not be as high as some of the other guys in this draft class. The next pick that I thought was a bit of a reach was Dexter Lawrence with the 17th overall selection to the New York Giants. And opinions were really mixed about Dexter Lawrence. But I said it on the last podcast episode, I had him pegged at 28 to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I didn't think he would go as high as 17, but I thought the NFL was going to value Dexter Lawrence a bit higher than what some media experts or what social media had pegged him as. And I know some people had him as an early second round pick in that range. And I thought he probably would go late first or early second. I did not think that he would go in the middle of the first round. But I think they have a bit of a positional log jam now with B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence along the middle. And I just don't see how that rotation is going to work because you have a bunch of two down type of players. And B.J. Hill provides a bit more third down value than what Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence bring to the table. But I just think Lawrence and Tomlinson really cancel each other out. So it's essentially who are you going to play on third down? And I think if Lawrence is able to get back to what he showed during his freshman year at Clemson, maybe he can be that guy on third down. But we really don't know that. He hasn't shown to be able to do that in his last two years at Clemson. So that pick really did puzzle me a lot. The next pick that I thought was a bit of a reach was Titus Howard, the offensive tackle from Alabama State. And the Houston Texans selected him with the 23rd overall selection. And I thought this was a bit early for him. I thought he probably would be a guy that goes in the late second to early third round range. But I thought the Texans kind of panicked here. And I thought there were better players on the board with Jawan Taylor and Cody Ford, who are still on the board heading into day two, surprisingly. But I thought the Texans really panicked at this spot. And I thought I think this is just way too early for Titus Howard. And he can be a good player. I don't want to take that away from him. But him just being a first-round selection and having him play right away, I just don't think that's a position for him to set up to be able to have immediate success especially going to a team that essentially where he has to play right away. And I thought he should have went to a team or a selection where he could sit back for maybe a year or two and just improve his technique and gain some more strength. But going to the Texans, he is forced to play right away and probably end up being the blindside protector for Deshaun Watson right away, an offensive line that has surrendered a league-high 62 sacks a year ago. So they're going to throw him out there right away. And they're going to throw him to the Wolves. And I just don't think that's a very wise decision. The last selection that I gave a thumbs down to was LJ Collier. And he goes to the Seattle Seahawks with the 29th overall selection. And I love what the NFL Network team said about him and that he reminds them a lot of Michael Bennett. Now, I don't think he's as twitchy as what Bennett showed coming out, but he has very heavy hands. And I compared it to a heavyweight boxer. That puts into context just how heavy his hands are at the point of attack. But he doesn't give you much as a pass rusher, in my opinion, even though he was able to generate pressure at a very frequently high rate at TCU. I just don't see that translating right away in this defense. And I thought he won more attacking down the midline of blockers and he's just not going to be able to do that he has to learn how to become more crafty with his hands and that's going to take time but in this defense you're a first round selection and you're going to be expected to play right away so I wouldn't expect a lot of immediate success or a lot of immediate production from LJ Collier maybe that's more in the pressure mode as opposed to sacks and I value pressures a lot more than sacks but 
I just don't see how he's going to translate right away. And I just thought this was a guy that they could get if they wanted to trade back even more. And I know they traded back again with the Giants, but I just thought they could trade back more if they wanted Collier. And I would like to see them address probably defensive back. And I thought there were some more high rated players on the board for them at this spot at 29th overall. So heading into the second day of the draft, there is a lot of talent left on the board. DK Metcalf, Greedy Williams, Jawan Taylor, Cody Ford, Drew Locke, AJ Brown, and a host of other guys. Debo Samuel is another name that is still left on the board. So, and it feels like we say this every year that the draft is absolutely low to head into the second day, but I firmly believe that. And I'm going to be really interested to see exactly what happens, especially at the top. The draft starts out tomorrow with the Arizona Cardinals with the 33rd overall selection, and we could see a run on receivers and especially defensive backs. And there's a lot of players left on the board. Taylor Rapp is another name that I did not get to. So there's a bunch of talent still left on the board. And I expect these wide receivers and defensive backs to really fly off the board very fast. And we'll see how far Cody Ford and Jawan Taylor do fall. But thank you once again for listening to the Draft Board Podcast. Make sure you stay tuned in. We are going to have shows recapping every single day of the draft. So I'll have another episode for you guys tomorrow on Saturday. So be sure to stay tuned in to the show and i'm gonna bring as much coverage to you guys as possible i'm gonna have four podcasts in four days this is the second one of the four we'll eventually get to the third and the fourth one so be sure to listen to everyone but once again i am your host jordan reed you can follow me on twitter at jreednfl be sure to stay tuned to my draft coverage throughout the week and once again thank you for listening